Hello and welcome to episode number 150 of There Are Giants podcast. Um, wow, it's a, an anniversary episode. Although I do believe there was actually way back when two episodes in a row that had the same number. Um, still in all, officially, this is 150, so we can celebrate getting to this point. And uh, to help me celebrate, I have on today's episode uh, an interview I recorded with Jeremiah Canockstead, the manager of the San Jose Giants. He talked to me a little bit about um, you know what it's like to manage low A with people coming and going, uh, literally in games. And of course, we discuss uh, a lot of the talent he had uh, moseying through San Jose this year uh, that included you know, first-rounders from 2022, first-rounders from 2023. He had so many breakout pitchers, um, some standout hitters. Uh, so it was a pretty exciting year in San Jose, and uh, Jeremiah shares his thoughts on, on all of those guys. Um, before we get to, to that interview, I will just remind you that uh, Their Giants is entirely supported by my subscribers. So if you enjoy the podcast, you're sure to enjoy the many, many, many written posts coming your way if you become a There Giants subscriber. Um, and with that said, let's get out there and talk to Jeremiah Canoxted. I can hear you just fine. How are you? I am good. Thanks so much for, for taking some time to chat with me. Oh, not a problem. How are you? I'm doing well. Do you do you go by Jeremiah? Do you go by the full, the full name? <laughs> I do, yes. Um, I go by Jeremiah, and my last name is actually Canoxted, but uh, all the players and staff call me Knack. Um, somebody thought it was Knackstead, and it kind of yeah. stuck. I've never changed it, so... Now you can't really. Now we've already got a one knack in the organization. Are you like yeah. knack knack two? I, I guess I don't know what <laughs> what their idea is. Oh, I was going to ask you that. So Canuckstead, good good uh, traditional pronunciation. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So so you're uh you're another frontier league guy, uh, which we have plenty of in the in the organization. So I guess I should start by asking if you uh do you have sort of intersections with the Haynes brothers uh, in your, in your indie league background. So I actually, I, I, I do. And that's, um, you know, one of the years I coached with Kyle um, when he was with the frontier grays, which was a travel team for the frontier league. Yeah. Um, he was, he was managing and I was kind of a, you know, a Swiss army knife of a coach where help with some hitting and do some catching and then help with some defense and just kind of, um, kind of had like the the fundamental slash bench coach role that the the Giants currently have. So this is something I, I talk about with uh, with with Pelf a lot. Uh, is do you think there's something about the kind of DIY nature of of indie ball that helps prepare you uh, for for modern player development that takes a really innovative and creative mind? Yeah, I think just the lack of resources that you have in indie ball, uh, you have to be creative with stuff, whether it's um, creative with how you set up and structure a workout or, you know, where you're actually getting your work done at sometimes even that can be, you know, something you have to be creative with where when you step into affiliated ball, it's like, oh man, like you have everything you could possibly want. And then some, so I think that, uh, it definitely is more challenging in the indie ball side than in the affiliate side. But I definitely think those coaches that come in from Indy um, have a lot more under their, uh, under their belts than those guys have been affiliated the whole time. Yeah. A little more resilience there. Um, 
so you've you've mostly been at, at the lower the lower levels. You were at the complex, and then this year at at low A. I always think low A is uh, has a particular challenge because it, it, you've got the one room schoolhouse effect. You've got a huge disparity in like age, experience levels, uh, maturity. Um, you know, for the young, the Latin kids, it's really the first year where they're experiencing trying to live out in a, in a foreign country. Um, it's a just a wide net that you're trying to cast. As a manager, how, how does that impact how you think about doing your job? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things you have to do is really think about all of those things where you have to think about, um, you know, some of these guys, it's their first time, you know, like Ramos, for example, Jose Ramos, it's his first time up in the United States. So, you know, knowing that you kind of have to help him and guide him a little bit differently than you would somebody, you know, like uh, Tanner Otremba, who's been around and been to college and, and has, you know, experienced life living outside of his own house. And, um, you know, you definitely have to, uh, you know, I taught for 12 years. And one of the things you do in teaching is you try to teach the individual as much as you can. And then, you know, there's some things you get to the whole group. And I think you kind of handle it that same way with prepping these guys with a ball where, you know, you have to go to the individual, but you're also trying to preach the whole group as well. Yeah. When I talk to particularly pitchers, I mean, the whole arm care regime is such a just experimentation for all these kids. Uh, but obviously some of the ones on your staff are, are further down the road of understanding how to take care of their arms than others. Um, and so wow. you're, you're kind of having to, to coach to a lot of different levels there, I would think. Yes. hundred um, percent. You know, you have those guys that have gone to a four-year college and you have those guys, you know, towards the end of the year, we had some high school guys and, you know, not necessarily on the pitching side, but um, you know, just, understanding and, and helping them understand where they're at and where they're trying to get to. And, you know, it's definitely uh, a wide range at a ball. It's we talk about like a team or a season or whatever, but you know, the, the reality of minor league world is it's everything's in flux all the time. You had a, mm -hmm. you had a playoff team, but the like team that <laughs> won the playoffs and the team that played in the playoffs were <laughs> almost totally different rosters. Does it, do you think of it as like a team or is that do you just have to have a totally different mindset? No, you know, like throughout the year we talked, um, you know, so we had, you know, and, and you'll kind of hear me as I say it, you know, we, we had our original team. So the team that we break with <laughs> and um, then you have your team at the end where it's like, okay, you know, our, our original team, you know, was, was this way. And, and this team now is, you know, it's different because we have so many different people in here now that, you know, you have to be very uh, flexible and uh, fluid. You know, we had um, we had a Wednesday day game when we had one guy on the bench. And as the game starts progressing, all of a sudden there's, you know, four guys on the bench. Then there's five guys on the bench. It's like, the you know, we show up on Thursday. It's like, well, we have 50 percent of a new team right now. So, you know, it's, you know, it's almost like starting over from scratch right there. And, uh, you know, it's just you know that's going to happen and you you try to prepare for it as best as you can and just kind of roll with the punches when they come and you know you have to definitely look big picture or else you drive yourself crazy well i'm going to start with your your original team and basically i'm just going to ask you a bunch of bunch of guys which is the most boring way ever to do an interview but uh, but good. you're the one with the knowledge um so i'm going to start with some of the pitchers you had on that team uh and let's just start with Carson Wisenhunt. I have a suspicion that from day 1 you probably knew he wasn't going to be very long with you. Is that true? Yeah, you know, um 
when he came and I, we, we knew he was going to be on our roster, it was, you know, we pretty much talked like, well, I'm not sure how long he's going to be here, but, um, you know, let's do what we can for him while he's here and uh, try to get him out of here as quickly as we can. And that's just kind of, you know, you know that going in there that he's a guy that, you know, because he came up um, in 2022. So you knew, knew that he was going to be a guy who'd be moving a little bit more quickly. The thing about him uh, that I think really caught my eye in the early part of the year was from where he was in spring training when I saw him uh, to when he got to you and then up to Eugene is you really saw the fastball velocity kind of kind of tick up with him and that made the, obviously that amazing change even more even even more special. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he obviously the the change up is you know, big league caliber. Um, and then if he can maintain that fastball, like he's, he's going to do some damage along the way. So I think we all, we knew Carson Wisenhunt was going to move fast and he, and he did. Um, we maybe didn't know or had a suspicion, but didn't know that Hayden Birdsong was going to move as quickly as he did this year. You know, I talked to him in, in, in Papago in March and then I, I talked to him again in Richmond later in the year. I'm like, did you, did you anticipate all this? He's like, Nope, this was really beyond my, beyond my dreams. How did you take, uh, you know, help kind of mold this amazing raw clay and show him what he could do? Cause I think part of this year was just him figuring out what he was actually capable of. Yeah. Um, you know, and honestly, when it comes to the pitching side, you know, we had in San Jose, just uh, an amazing staff and, um, Runzler does a really good job of connecting with guys and um, being a really good mentor to those guys. And even as those guys, you know, move up or even guys from last year, you know, he'll be getting messages from them this year. And, you know, some of it's uh, Hey, you know, how's it going? And some of it's like, Hey, you know, you really helped me with this area or this aspect, you know, what, what do you see right now? And, and so I think Runzler was a big part of all those guys when they moved up and, and how well they moved up, or how quickly they moved up. Uh, with Birdsong, I think you know he is a guy that uh, he's from not too far where I'm from, and it's a yeah. small town. And uh, you know, I think he didn't realize the stuff that he had. And I think um, you know his demeanor when he's out there is like I have to battle, and I have to fight, and I'm I'm going to get you out because that's what I want to do. And then when you add in the the fact that he kind of started to click on some of that stuff, it, it just made him a dominant guy. He's. Well, it was really impressive to me was he kept working. He kept improving parts of his game, like his slider. When he got up to Richmond, you could see the slider starting to kind of catch up to the curveball. And I thought early in the year when I was looking at the curveball was way ahead of it. Um, But he just kept kind of working on improving his game. A really impressive kid. Yeah, and he's smart. Like he's going to try to find a way to get that edge. Um, Like I said, I think, uh, you know, I think the the college that he went to, he did not have as much success as he would have liked to have there. So I think, you know, he has that in his head, like, okay, like, how am I going to get this guy out? And what can I do? And I always want to stay on top of my game and, and and find that extra edge to get guys out or keep myself where it needs to be to get guys out. Runzer, you know, is one of the very, very few players, uh, I think, ever to move all the way from low A up to the majors in a single year. So he's a guy who knows what it takes to keep keep moving up the chain. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Um, so another guy you had from the top of last year's draft, but a very different situation was Reggie Crawford. Um, obviously, I mean, Kyle had told me last fall, we're going to be pretty conservative about his innings. And then you pile on top of that, that, uh, he wants uh, to get in some, some at bats. How hard was it to just navigate his workload, uh, through the, through the beginning of the year? Uh, you know, it was, it was more, um, it was more challenging just trying to find him sometimes where he'd get him some at bats and yeah. uh you know because the the pitching obviously he's he's got an electric arm um you know he showed uh he showed that he could mow through uh low a hitters pretty quickly and pretty easily and so uh it was just a matter of, of the the difficult part was trying to get him some at bats because i think you know he also has a lot of power at the plate and uh that's a part of his game that he really wants to show off and so trying to navigate the the hitting side was a little more challenging. The, the pitching side was pretty easy. What do you think the challenge is going to be for him? We, you know, we see him obviously getting at bats in the fall and he's starting to get his legs under him after not hitting competitively for, for a while. How difficult do you think it is going to be for those two parts of his game to sync up? Cause you look at the arm and you think, well, that's something that can move really fast. Yep. Um, I, you know, I think uh, for him, it's just going to be a matter of kind of what he's doing now where he's getting those ABs. And the more ABs he can get, the more comfortable he's going to get. And he's really athletic. So I think, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time. Obviously, it, it takes all hitters a lot of time to to get that hitting side with everything involved in it. Uh, but uh, him being as athletic as he is, I think he can I think he can flip that switch pretty quick. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about one more pitcher, the youngest guy on your staff. Um, in in older years, uh, Maldonado would have gone to short season, you know, to yep. kind of get that half step up. Uh, now you're forced to push guys up the full step, which is a pretty huge development leap. Uh, what did you see in him that, that made you feel comfortable about giving him this challenge and and how he responded to it through the year? You know, I mean, his stuff obviously is really good. Um, you know, he, his fastball's um, really good. And I think the the cool part with him throughout the year was the guys around him and, and how much they would help him and mentor him, where beginning of the year, you know, he if he would struggle or if he'd walk a guy a little bit, he would, you know, just kind of uh, find it hard to get out of his own head sometimes. And then mm-hmm. as the year progressed, you could see him start growing and, like, okay, I trust myself and I know I can get guys out and, hey, I walked a guy, but it was a competitive walk or, hey, I gave up a, a broken bat single and I know it's not the end of the world where, you know, I think him maturing on the, the mental side is what uh, was really good for him this year because the stuff is there. The stuff is really good. I know when I talked with Joe Rizzo, he said, you know, Runzer would always talk about his his mound presence. They're they're very you're very impressed with just the way he comports himself on the mound and the way he competes. Um, and I guess in a situation where you know you're that young at that level, that's as important as anything else you do, right? Hundred um, percent. You know, I, I watched a a clip the other day that popped up, and um, you know, I don't remember the 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 first guy who was speaking, but he said, you know, he went out to pitch and he just. He's like, I had nothing. And he's like, you know, I, I felt like crap and I, you know, couldn't get anybody out. And then Trevor Hoffman followed him in and and he's like, you know, Hoffman didn't have his stuff. He's like, he's throwing 85 down the middle and getting guys out. And, um, you know, after the game, he talked to Hoffman and he was like, you know, what, how'd you get guys out? Because obviously you weren't at your best and, you, and your stuff wasn't good. And he's like, it was, you know, 
the difference between you and I tonight was I didn't show them that I was being beat and, uh, you know, that I didn't have it where you were showing that you were going, you know, giving up hits and getting beat. And so, you know, for him, I think, again, like that confidence on the mound, he had that the whole time. But then as he started to figure out that stuff where, okay, I can give up a weak contact hit and I can still dominate this game, it was, you know, leaps and bounds better towards the end. And it, it it's a guy that looks like he could, uh, again, be a guy that moves and uh, does very well. So uh, the, the the position player equivalent of that, I guess, would, would be Diego Velasquez, who's another kid who, you know, obviously he's someone who needs is is still pretty slight, pretty slender, uh, you know, not a very physical kid. And you wonder, wow, will full season ball kind of wear him down? Instead, he really, really thrived and was, you know, the most consistent player I think you had beginning of the year to end. Um, can you talk about the the growth you saw in him from, from April to, to, to September this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me, the, the, the biggest growth for him came on the defensive side and just, you know, Viegas is, is really good at working with our infielders and um, he was with Viegas last year. And then the year before he mm-hmm. was myself and Valdi and uh, you know, so, we were all really familiar with Diego and we know he loves to hit. So we, we know the contact is there. We know he loves to hit. So, you know, for us, it was trying to get him to have that same um, motivation to be a good defender as he is at the plate. And so for me, I love seeing the growth from him on the defensive side and and the work he put in and uh, on the hitting side, you know, it was, uh, it was fun to watch him start to kind of figure things out in terms of, you know, he's, he is, you know, not all the way built out yet. So I think he's going to have some power at some point, but it's not there and he wants it to be there. So a couple of times <laughs> he would, uh, he would try to get a little bit big and then all of a sudden he miss hits the ball. And then, you know, after going through that phase for a little bit, you know, it's the, the ebbs and flows of it. And, uh, you know, he would go back to his strength, which is, you know, putting the bat on the ball. And, you know, I think as he starts to mature physically, the, the power is going to be there and the, the contacts, you know, that's elite level contact. Yeah, when you had him before, I, I I've said this to someone before that I I just have so many at bats of Diego, um, either in complex level or or spring training, and he he hits everything, but it was all on the ground. I I've got you know dozens and dozens of of Velasquez grounding out um, when he was 17, 18 years old. Um, where uh, obviously that didn't happen as much this year. He's not necessarily a big power guy, but he was hitting a lot of line drives to the outfield. What is the difference between kind of the 17 year old Diego and the, and the 19 year old Diego you saw this year at the bat? Again, I, I attribute a lot of that to his maturity um, and, and maturing as a hitter and, you know, knowing, okay. Cause I think some of those ground outs in the, in years past was, you know, he knows he makes contact and I think he would try to sometimes chase some pitches and um, not get a barrel on it like he wanted to. So he ended up grounding out instead of, you know, hitting a ball hard or hitting a line drive somewhere. Phone call there. Uh, <laughs> this year, saw him start to uh, recognize, OK, these are pitches that I can drive somewhere. and These are pitches I need to lay off because I'm going to roll over. I'm going to hit that ground ball somewhere. So I think. You know, just that understanding of what pitchers are trying to do to him and then, you know, what he's capable of doing at the plate as well. Uh, you mentioned Jose Ramos uh, a minute ago. 
he had maybe the the biggest challenge of anybody on your team trying to get all the way from the DSL up to up to full season ball. Uh, and he'd had a couple of years under his, under his belt. Um, but what did you see in him that maybe feels good about the next time he comes back to this level? And what are the kind of challenges that are really hard to overcome for, for somebody in, in Jose's position? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a really big jump. And, uh, you know, if you would have asked me that same question, you know, 10 years ago before I realized just, you know, how big of a jump that was, I've been like, well, it's baseball, you know, he'll be fine. But, you know, after uh, gaining a little more knowledge and understanding, I'm like, that's a, that's a really big jump. Like that's almost like a guy going from, you know, a junior high team trying to jump to a college team. Like that's a, it's a, just a massive jump of development skipping over complex league. Uh, And with him, he has some of the best baseball IQ out of any player that I've been around. Um, Always in tune, knows what's going on. He would, you know, he, he stole a lot of bases, and a lot of that was him being able to pick up what a pitcher was doing or how a catcher was setting up or, you know, a pitch sequencing even, and, and he would take off. So the baseball IQ is there. And I think uh, the biggest challenge for him is just going to be the, you know, the growth side of it. So he knows that, and I think this offseason you're going to, you know, see him working out and uh, trying to put a little more, muscle on so that he just doesn't wear down because I think that was probably the the biggest uh biggest issue was just you know he was not used to that much grind throughout a season and just kind of wore down a little bit so um you know I think next year he'll come back and you know be a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and uh like I said the baseball IQ is going to keep him going and uh he should be pretty fun to watch one of the interesting things about about your club the that that first half title run was I thought how well as a team you guys ran the bases um you know whether it was ramos you have a lot of older players like you know carter howell they were just really smart base runners it felt like you always took the extra base um was that like something that was in the nature of this team was it because you had some sort of older more experienced players or was something that you guys focused on as a, a staff you know when we saw the roster we had um you know we we know those guys, we don't know them the best, but um, we knew that power would probably not be one of our strengths. And so knowing that we would not have a lot of power, uh, we really try to just preach to those guys, you know, take the extra base when it's there. If you can steal a bag, steal a bag. Um, And then, you know, you know, Ish is really good as well on the hitting side and, and, you know, telling those guys like, we don't need you guys hit home runs. If you guys can, you know, hit doubles, you know, hit gaps and, and put the ball in play and just work, work pitchers, you guys are going to have success. And so, um, you know, the, the base running was something that, you know, we tried to preach heavy to those guys that, uh, you know, if you can take an extra base and get yourself in a scoring position, you know, it's going to help you. And it's also going to help the guy behind you. And we had a lot of guys that, you know, bought in and, and bought into each other and bought into the team concept. And so you would see those guys trying to take extra bases. And if a guy would get thrown out and what would be a, uh, you know, non-smart time to take a bag that the guys didn't get on, like, hey, you know, you almost had it. Or, hey, you know, probably not the best idea, but I like the effort. And, uh, you know, we, we stole a lot of bases and took a lot of extra bags just because the, the, the team got behind each other with it even. I want to ask you about the your two basically the two center fielders uh who played out there most of the year for you, both of whom were um 
uh, undrafted guys that are sort of uh, signed out of other, other places. Um, but both had really impressive games uh, to my mind. Carter Howell, you know, obviously got pushed up and we're now seeing him have success in, in Arizona. And then Turner Hill got signed out of another independent league, I think right at the beginning of the year uh, after being in the draft league last year. And I don't know too much about either of their games. So kind of t- help me uh, understand the tool sets of, of those two players. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say both are very similar. Um, both have good speed, but it's not, um, you know, it's not something that's going to stand out where it's, man, this guy is blazing fast. Um, in the outfield, both guys get really good reads and really good jumps on balls. Um, if you're just watching, you're like, man, like the, the arm strength isn't there. Sorry, I said no, I'll pop up. <laughs> um, when, you, when you start to watch it, you're just like, okay, it's there when they need it. And they're really smart about it. if I don't need to, you know, throw a ball to get an out somewhere to base, I'm going to, you know, take it easy and get the ball to my cutoff guy. And um, when it comes to the bag, you know, on, on the bases, both those guys can steal bases and they both go about it different ways, but both, you know, both use their brain with it. Like, okay, I know this is a good spot. And even Carter, you know, he did not uh, steal a ton of bags while he was there, but yeah. you can see him starting to, to kick it in and starting to try to do it. Uh, and then at the plate, you know, both guys have pretty good bats of ball skills. I think Carter has a little bit more power than Turner, but I think Turner has power in there that he has not realized yet. I think he knows it's there, but just, um, you know, kind of going back to that maturity standpoint and just understanding side, like I, I think um, he's not quite comfortable enough yet to try to turn on a ball where he just, you know, I want to get a ball put in play and get a hit instead of, oh, that's a pitch I can drive out of the ballpark. Um, but I mean, both just all around, nothing is just, you know, flashy or stands out, but the whole, whole package together, they're, they're both really good ball players. Uh, one guy who stole quite a few bases without what I would call plus speed, uh, was O'Neill Perez, uh, who sold 20 yeah. bags, uh, which I still think is a, a <laughs> tremendous number, uh, stat for him. It, O'Neill had a, had a really impressive year at the plate and uh, certain parts of his defense uh, were fantastic. He had a, a kind of a surprising amount of pass balls this year, uh, which is not something that I would have guessed after watching him uh, the year before in the complex. What was kind of going on with him on the defensive side and, and where are, where is he in that kind of development process? Yeah, I think he's still pretty early on in the, the, development side of the catching um you know one of the things that you'll see at the complex is you know guys tend to be erratic a little bit but they don't have as good a stuff or the velocity is not there so now you move up to you know a ball and you have guys that are throwing you know consistently upper 90s with you know pitches that are moving crazy left and right and so i think you know he's trying to uh to figure out what works best for him and how he can um, receive and, and be a really good receiver. So I think this year was just a lot of him trying some stuff and working on stuff. And um, when when guys are doing that, you just have to have the patience to go, okay, I know there's going to be pass balls. I know there's going to be wild pitches and we're going to have cross-ups. But, uh, you know, that stuff has to happen now so that it doesn't happen down the road. So I think I think defensively he's going to end up being a, a pretty good receiver receiving-wise. And I don't think you're going to see as many pass balls and um, I think once he starts getting comfortable with what he's doing, you're you're going to see a, a different defensive catcher back there. This may be kind of a, a, a duh question, but I mean, you had a, 
a few pitchers on your on your staff who have a lot of deception in their motion. Uh, you know, Jack Choate, I think, is kind of that way, and maybe Hayden yeah. Winter. Are guys who are deceptive to hitters also deceptive to catchers? Sometimes they can be. Um, I was I was a catcher as well, so I understand that side of it. Um, there are some guys when you're hitting that you can't pick the ball up, and there are some guys as pitchers, like those guys you mentioned, that hide the ball really well. So it definitely makes it uh, a little harder to catch those guys. And one of the things that we have, you know, you see it in spring training and then, you know, as the season starts rolling is, you know, you're not catching the same guy all the time. And so if, if you're not catching a, a Jack Schott or a Hayden Winja consistently, it can make it really challenging to tough the catch really challenging job, to try to catch those guys. Um, so I think the more that you're with those guys and the more you, you get to know that, that guy out on the mound, it definitely makes it easier, but I could see that being an issue with catchers and, and not knowing guys as well as, uh, you know, a guy at the big leagues where they're catching the same guy all the time. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move to the kind of end of the year gr- group that you had here in just a second. But one other person I want to ask about, because uh, we kind of forget about him way back in the beginning of the year was Liam Simon. And I know he, he uh, of course had the arm injury. He's going to be uh, gone for a while while he's rehabbing that. But what we saw in him before that happened was pretty electric. I mean, compared to ev- all the guys you had there, uh, was his arm as good as anybody you had at the at the start of the year? Uh, definitely. Um, you know, he the the impressive thing with him too was the consistent that he consistency that he had when he was throwing. Um, you know. Last year, I know he struggled a little bit with command, and then this year it was, you know, the the arm was electric, and then the command started to come around as well. So I think, you know, that's a, a bright future for him as well. Okay, so at the end of the year, we get the the new draft kids come in, um, and you 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 started the year with a two way player. You end the year with a two way player. Um, obviously, Bryce was very different from from Reggie Crawford, um, but as a kind of physical presence and as a, as a mature young 18 year old, what did you see from Eldridge uh, that has you excited for, for his future and maybe coaching him again next year? You know, I, I think you, you kind of said right there with, uh, you know, he's 18, but when you meet him and you talk to him and um, you kind of get to know him, he does not come off as an 18 year old. Um, You know, it it felt like he was a, you know, 22, 23 year old college kid. Um, I think he is definitely advanced at the plate. And so I'm, I can't wait to see what he does, you know, with a full year and, uh, you know, a full spring training under his belt and, and time to really see the, you know, the best of the best when it comes to who he's facing out on the mound. Uh, but I think he's really advanced as a hitter and the power is there. Um, you know, I know we didn't necessarily see a ton of power and he kind of, I think was pressed a little bit. He, uh, he ended up at third base one night and he's like, man, felt good to finally hit something besides a single. And, and I was like, hey, don't press with that stuff, man. Like it's going to come. So, you know, he's, he's going to be fun to watch for a long time. I think. I mean, I know he didn't, uh, he didn't do any pitching once he got to you. Was he like interested in the pitching development? Did he ask kind of questions of, of Runzler or the pitchers or was he just strictly focused on, on the hitting side and, and learning the outfield? Yeah, I think he, you know, he asked a few questions on the pitching side, but, you know, he had uh, predominantly played infield until he came to us and we put him in the outfield. So he he was working really hard at trying to learn how to play the outfield. And, um, you know, there's some nuances between the two where, 
you know, just even how he was kind of prepping in the outfield when he first got there to, you know, what he started to figure out would work for him and, um, you know, how to handle ground balls in the outfield versus the infield. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot to ask of him. And I thought that he did a really good job of, you know, showing that he is athletic and can play the outfield and will be fine in the outfield. So I think his big focus this year was I'm going to let my arm recover from, you know, the, the season, and then I'm going to focus on being a good outfielder and getting better at the plate. It's one of the fun things about the way the the season shapes up in San Jose is that group that comes up right at the end of the year is sort of a sneak peek for uh, for what you're going to see next year. Um, I, I don't know whether you'll be there or not, but the fans in San Jose get to see a sneak peek. Uh, there are a couple of guys I want to ask you about who I'm interested in. They keep coming up in conversations I have with other people, uh, and that's uh, Scott Bandura and Quinn McDaniel, um, yeah. who who both are kind of uh, sneaky little athletes, it seems to me. Um, what did you see from these guys um, at the in those last few weeks? Are they people who you think come back here next year and they can start pushing their game up to, to higher levels? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, both those guys, um, I don't think that we saw the best of what they have to offer. Um, you know, and in saying that, I think, you know, Scott's going to do, really well um you know we kind of pushed him a little bit and had him try some different you know he normally played uh right field we tried to put him in left field a little bit and then tried to get him in center every once in a while and just trying to expose him to more than just right field and then uh at the plate you know he's a really smart guy and i think um you know i think that if you talk to him he would probably tell you like i could have done better this year but i think again it goes back to you know, those guys get there and they want to impress right away. And um, I think that he's going to be a guy that when he comes up, you know, he's he's got tools, he's smart. And I think he's definitely going to push some guys above him to make sure they perform. Um, you know, and Quinn, same thing. He's just uh, – he's a really quiet kid, but he's a gamer. Um, you know, we kind of said it too in, in, a, in the coach's office. Like, he might be the sneaky guy from this draft that's going to surprise a lot of people uh, – you know, the swing is funky, a little bit different, but uh, he puts the bat on the ball. And, um, you know, I know he had a, a couple games where he was struggling and he didn't finish the year like he wanted to. But, uh, again, you know, those guys have to go through those little ups and downs and, and figure that stuff out to uh, get themselves where they need to be. And you know, I think both guys have a shot at, at pushing those guys above them to to really keep on their game as well. Yeah, McDaniel does have a kind of a funky swing. He's got a big leg kick. Um, and uh, that, a conversation I've had with some scouts lately is, that, you know, does he need to tone that down? Uh, you know, the numbers underlying the hit data are pretty strong. Um, but you always wonder with guys with big leg kicks that get into pro velocity, if they're going to have to kind of tone things down a little. Uh, and I wonder if that's going to be with the case with him as, as, he, as he advances. Yeah, I don't, you know, for me, um, when it comes to what they're trying to do with the mechanics side of stuff, um, you know, I don't really jump into that a whole lot. And, you know, a lot of those guys, after, uh, if, if something's not working and after a little while of getting beat, they decide to uh, make an adjustment or make a change. So I think uh, if he's getting beat enough by the velocity, I think that, you know, he'll he'll end up making a little bit of a change. But, uh, you know, I, I try to revert back to guys like, you know, Hunter Pence or, uh, you know, Craig Council or Julio Franco, yeah. like, you know, you're not going to teach a certain style like those guys did, but it worked for those guys. So a guy like Quinn, it's like, you know, 
if it works for him, you know, let him let him go through. And when he starts to struggle or wants to make a change, then you know that's what our that's what our hitting coaches are there for, and uh, can help him along the way with that. Yeah. And then the last guy before uh, I let you know, because I let you go, because I know your kids are going to come home soon, <laughs> um, is uh, we started with the left hander, we'll end with a left hander. Joe Whitman, obviously um, another guy that just kind of get his, his feet wet in this first summer, don't want to throw too many innings. Um, one thing impressed me, he's a he's a slender young man. He's a he's a, a guy who looks like he can still put a lot of strength on that frame of his. Um, but he still is showing Im- impressive stuff as is. Uh, I know he only threw a few innings from you. Um, but are you excited about, you know, what he's going to come back and show next year? I am. You know, I think uh, again, you kind of hit it on the head right there with you know, he's going to come back and he's probably not going to look the same as he did this year. But, uh, you know, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Wisenhunt for the, the little bit that he was here. And I'm like, you know, if you can look like that and, uh, you know, come out here and dominate, then you're going to be the next guy that's going to kind of move it quickly. And uh, I think he, you know, again, he's another guy that, uh, you know, I, I feel like we said this a lot in San Jose. You know, we have a lot of guys here that, are talented and are really close and they're going to make those guys above them have to play at the top level. If not, they're going to be pushing guys out of the way pretty quickly. Well, I I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time to chat with me. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful off season. When, how long does it take you usually before you get the itch uh, to, to get back on the field? (laughs) Oh, well, you know, honestly, I, I, thoroughly love baseball so uh i think it was about a weekend i was like man you know i, I missed the going out to the field and hanging out with the, like we had just a phenomenal coaching staff and you know the roster was filled with a bunch of really just fun guys and um you know my my typical day now is drop the kids off at school and love doing that part but then the the rest of the day gets pretty boring so i have to pick them up so i'm just like ah need somebody i can talk to and uh you know chat some baseball with yeah, I, I hear you. I bet by the time the snow starts coming, you're gonna be thinking, hey, maybe I need to head out to Papago and uh, find oh, yeah. a, find a camp to coach in. Yeah, that hundred percent. It's uh, it's it's odd the day because it's like mid seventies, and uh, I think two days ago it was about forty five. So uh, the the snow is gonna be coming here soon. I know that. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, have a great off season, and uh, I hope I'll see you in March. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Jeremiah. Bye.